uh, wholeheartedly believe that the best approach is having healthy expectations. And this is where we get into just mental health and emotional health and spiritual health. You know, so I'm a recovering addict and I've learned a lot about how when I have a healthy approach towards even like a, a business model, I'm able to have a lot of grace towards myself and my expectations aren't met. I'm not super disappointed because I understand that you know what, this didn't work, but it's okay because I still learned a lot, you know? And so if you're thinking about doing something new and different on your homestead, uh, just have the expectation that you're going to fail. Not saying that you should expect to fail, but in a way you should. Nothing's right. going to go perfect. Yeah. And that's okay because nothing should go perfect. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. Welcome everybody. We are here today with Pork Ryan. He is a expert in pork, everything pork, and also just an expert in business, farm business, kind of how to get things going, how to be accountable in the business world as it relates to farming, homesteading, that sort of thing. So I just really wanted to share his expertise with everybody um, that listens to this podcast. So Pork Ryan, give us a little bit of background of where you're coming from, just so people kind of know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, thank you for having me on here, Drew. Uh, just ah, super honored and happy. But really quickly, I'll, I'll give you a brief synopsis. Uh, I never grew up farming. I never had a legacy towards farming. My mom didn't farm. My grandmother didn't farm. But my grandfather, great-great-grandfather did. And just that disconnect that I had with the land really started to show up when I became more interested in agriculture. And so felt convicted because I was learning a lot about animal science and I was going to eventually work for companies like Tyson or Smithfield. And that didn't resonate with my childhood as someone who loved nature. So I ended up actually dropping out of school and farmed in both Texas and North Carolina. And ever since then, I've been able to travel across the country as well as overseas to East Africa, uh, Uganda, and Tanzania to be able to educate farmers, mainly livestock farmers, on profitability of farming because farming truly is a business. Even if you have a lot of a homesteading uh, operation, you know, it's still a business. You're still putting money in, money is going out. And so being able to see these things as enterprises, business entities uh, really can make an effective change in how we operate as farms and how we remain profitable and have good income so yeah that's just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good background i appreciate that so yeah like from a homestead so most of our listeners are kind of homesteaders some of them are small scale homesteaders some of them want to be you know getting started in homesteading what would you say like to those people as far as profitability, you know, looking at a business plan or income, you know, like what, what's kind of some of the first steps? Good question. I think one of the major steps is understanding before you even get any, and I'm mainly referring to livestock, any animals, or let's say you want to do a garden, before you even buy the seeds, understand what's your goal? Like, why are you doing this? You know, are you doing this because Joel Salton's doing this? Or Justin Rhodes doing this? 
Or are you doing this because you want to provide nutritious, healthy food to your family? You know, what, what is your reasoning behind that? And then from there, figure out how much time do you actually have to put into this? Some projects can be very tedious and very time consuming. And if you don't understand how much time you already have available, you might end up draining yourself and splitting yourself between family, work, and farm more than you might want to. So understanding how much time you want to spend on this, it might be five hours a week. For some, it might be 20 hours a week, especially if you want to make this into a really big business. And so from there, understanding where does your family fit into this enterprise or business that you want to have within your homestead is also important. Oftentimes, uh, a lot of one of the spouses or maybe both the spouses might have this idea and they just assume that their family is going to be on board with it without ever really having a conversation of whether or not they also want to be in that endeavor. And so it's just important to communicate like, hey, I'm interested in doing this. What do you all feel? How would you all like to play a role in it? And so instead of it being just kind of a solo project, it ends up being an actual project or enterprise for the family because there is full family investment in there. Then, you know, after that kind of soft conversation, we start getting into the numbers of how much money do you want to make from this? And oftentimes I tell people to work a little backwards on it. You know, how much money do you want to make? And then seeing what would you need, both infrastructure, both uh, amount of animals, or if you're doing a produce garden, amount of yield uh, to be able to make uh, the money that you're wanting to make. And then you kind of realize like, okay, well, uh, I can make it, but I don't have the land or I don't have the current capital. Well, that's fine. But now you know the goal that you want to reach and you know your limitations. And so understand and outline, here are my current limitations. Some limitations you can't really move over. Uh, some you can actually really finesse. So if you don't have all the land that you feel like you need, asking around, seeing if you can uh, lease land might be an option. You know, if you don't have necessarily the capital, uh, starting small, which is something I always tell people, don't go big soon. Always start small, make your mistakes there uh, instead of investing or over-investing in something that you don't necessarily know is really for you or is going to work the way you think it's going to work. So those would be just really quick suggestions for anyone who's interested in creating an enterprise within their homesteading lifestyle. Yeah, you know, I'm finishing up. We've been talking about it, but holistic management and uh, holistic planning. And uh, we spent like a whole day training on holistic financial planning, which is very much kind of what you're talking about. The One of the like kind of nuances of it is uh, planning for expenses. So you plan for profit. So that kind of like you said, you put that top number and then the expenses are kind of like the non-negotiable, you know, like you mm -hmm. have to make that profit. So like, say you want to make $10,000 for the year, like that's not optional. Like that's, that's what you're at. So now like, how do I make enough income and how do I keep my expenses low enough to make that profit? Which is kind of like a cool thing of like, I think like you were kind of saying too, a lot of times people get into it and think about, you know, income rather than profit and you know that can kind of get you in trouble especially in the homesteading world but yep. you know i think the other thing is like for like us like kind of our goal is like provide enough food for our family so it's not necessarily income as much it, like in the realm of animals and that sort of thing as it is filling up a freezer you know i don't know if you have anything to say about that but i've, I've been thinking about that a while <laughs> it's like how do i 
quantify that number of enough food to eat for the year because you could still go to the store and buy it cheaper, right? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. there's no way to replace that quality, though. Kind of a kind of something I've been thinking about there. Well, if I can add to that, I feel like some things are not going to be quantified, and yeah. oftentimes we, and this is mainly from the American or Western context, we we feel this compulsion to have to quantify every single thing. Yeah. And you can't quantify family time. You can't quantify, you know, being able to spend time with your livestock or with your garden. And, and sure, you could say, okay, well, I'll spend two hours here and, and five hours with the kids or something like that. You could do that, but then you'd be a robot. And, um, right, right. you know, uh, I whole, wholeheartedly believe that the best approach is having healthy expectations. And this is where we get into just mental health and emotional health and spiritual health. You know, so I'm a re recovering addict and I've learned a lot about how when I have a healthy approach towards even like a, a business model, I'm able to have a lot of grace towards myself and my expectations aren't met. I'm not super disappointed because I understand that you know what, this didn't work, but it's okay because I still learned a lot, you know? And so if you're thinking about doing something new and different on your homestead, just have the expectation that you're gonna fail. Not saying that you should expect to fail, but in a way you should, nothing's right. gonna go perfect. Yeah. And that's okay because nothing should go perfect. Yeah. In holistic planning, kind of one of the mantras is kind of plan, like you said, plan to fail or assume that I'm doing this wrong is the mantra you know like if i'm doing this wrong then like let me look around and observe and see how i could be doing it more right <laughs> if that makes right, sense right right you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah just pay, paying attention to that and really uh, observing i think is is huge there so what would you say like in the homesteading world where have you seen kind of some outside the box thinking on you know various ways to bring in a little bit of extra cash flow yeah so uh, i guess keeping it from a livestock perspective uh so my specialty is in pigs and yeah. um a lot of people think, well, you know, even if you only got an acre of land, it's like, well, I can't have that many pigs. How am I going to make money? And yada, yada, this, yada, yada, that. But honestly, when you raise pigs, raising one pig, or which I never recommend raising just one pig because they're very social creatures. So unless you're going to be with them all the time, you need to make sure you give them a friend. But, you know, I always recommend or, or say that when you're raising pigs, it's all... The number might be kind of different, but the work is still the same. So whether you're raising five pigs or 15 pigs, the time and energy is still kind of the same. You know, 20 to 50, time and energy is still kind of the same. Uh, and so if you have the capacity and maybe even a little bit of the more capital to buy feed or, and they're actually, you don't necessarily have to buy feed just straight out. You can find alternative sources uh, for feed. Uh, I know some people are, are doing food scrap routes where they okay. they got the uh, families who've committed to giving uh, food scraps. I'm not exactly sure the specifications of that, but giving food scraps and you know having the bucket and then they bring the bucket to the farm and then uh, those pigs get fed through that on top of uh, supplemental grain and other uh, fresh produce. That's one way of looking at it. To so so the number one asked question on Google about pigs with, I typed in pigs, homesteading with pigs. The number one question is, what do I feed my pigs? <laughs> which, which I found was kind of a, a funny question, right? Like, 
I don't know. To me, I'm like, just feed pigs anything. But I also know that like, if you are a YouTube viewer slash YouTube homesteading victim is kind of the way I look at it. Um, <laughs> you see these people feeding pigs just scraps and you're like, oh yeah, uh, yes. you know, and then all of a sudden your pigs are dead or your chickens are dead and you're like, man, what happened? I don't know. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah. If you get to a point where you have a dead pig because feeding I mean, I, I, again, I go to Uganda and Tanzania or Tanzania because Southern accent. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've seen pigs in deplorable situations, but also I've seen homesteaders raise pigs in deplorable situations that are extraordinarily similar to what I see in Africa. Believe it or not, despite regenerative movement and these homesteaders saying, well, you know, we're regenerative. And then I go to their farms as a consultant and I'm like, um, we got a problem here. <laughs> right. uh, and so, you know, uh, I will be speaking at the Homesteaders of America conference and um, one, yeah. of, one of the three events that I'm going to be speaking at, uh, I have my own session, which will be talking about, you know, proper feed formulation, alternative feed formulation for pigs, because it, the growing interest in it but there's no real understanding behind it. And the issue with that is a lot of farmers in this field of homesteading are new and beginning farmers. Right. Very, very few of them actually have farming experience beforehand. And so you don't have that uh, ancient wisdom from grand, great, great grandpappy, you know, on how he raised pigs, you know, so you're having to figure it all out. I've been there as a farmer. And so, you know, the best thing really is to, A, I always recommend do your homework. I, I love some of the people that are on YouTube, but they're not always accurate. Or what I've really noticed, they don't show the whole story. Right. And I don't think that's intentional. I think that's just, they just, it's just not shown. And so people just make assumptions that, oh, this is all they're doing. In reality, no, it's not. And so I, I always recommend when you're first starting out, just, just buy bag feed. Sure, you might have people that are doing alternatives, but simply buy bagged feed to start out with. I always suggest also start out with two pigs. Don't get more than two pigs. Start with two pigs and get acclimated and used to feeding your pigs, understanding what their feeding needs are um, through that, how much they eat in a day, through the different growth stages of their life. And then once you've developed what I call a farmer's eye, and what I mean by that is not just looking at uh, livestock as feeding them, giving them water, shelter, you know, the hierarchy of needs, but seeing all the context in between that, using observational skills and developing those observational skills to seeing what your livestock actually needs and understanding the context behind that. Uh, and so once you get better at that, then you can start mixing and dabbling with formulating new feeds. But, you know, at the end of the day, pigs, uh, just like any other animal, uh, they require a source of protein, they require a source of energy or carbohydrates. They, they need a source of fiber and they need minerals. And being able to have those within a feed diet is really important. But, you know, if you're trying to formulate your feed, my highest recommendation is ask a professional. Extension, uh, cooperative extension in your state can help you with that. Or you can actually reach out to your state university swine specialist or whatever livestock special specialty you're looking at and ask them, like, hey, what, what, what kind of alternative feed? do I have? And luckily in 2021, we actually do have really good understanding of alternative feed options for those who are raising at a small scale production. But it's, it's, it's about having people in your corner that know what they're doing 
and you not trying to figure out everything. You know, you only know so much. So stick to what you know and, and grow in what you don't know. But don't be fully confident that, uh, you know, you're going to have 100% success starting out your new feed ration. And if any of y'all are trying to figure out what that looks like for you and your homestead, definitely reach out to me. Find me on Instagram and I can give my plug at the end, but definitely reach yeah. out and you can I can help you, you kind of figure out what that looks like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, y'all can find me at uh, pork rhyme, R-H-Y-N-E at Instagram. Uh, I w am in the process of building a website, so I'll be doing that as well. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, but in the meantime, just uh, follow me on Instagram. If you don't have social media, uh, you can also uh, email me at rhyme, R-H-Y-N as a knight, E as an eagle, at pork rhyme, R-H-Y-N-E dot com. Yeah, he Pork Ryan is a wealth of knowledge. If you guys are in the local area, we have a farmer mastermind. You can't come just pick his brain. You have to pick all of our brains, but you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun, though. Yeah, right? I know. It's been a, been a blast. What else you got for us in the realm of business? I feel like we hit on kind of the, the getting started. We were kind of go. that's right, we were going into the area of talking about kind of alternative ideas on bringing in income. So you were saying kind of yeah. one pig versus three pigs. I don't know. What else do you think you have seen people kind of successful with or ideas that you have there? Well, uh, kind of going back to my original comment before we start talking about feed. Right. Um, Sorry. You know, <laughs> if you like, let's say you only need one pig for your family for the whole year, you know, taking care of one pig, it, it's honestly it's low key boring, but B, you have the capacity to do more. So if you have the, uh, capital resources to maybe get two more pigs, what you can do from there is because you're going to have to process them, especially if you're not doing home butchery, but you're having your animals process off the farm to a, let's say, local processor, you're going to have to pay for processing fees for the kill feed, for the breakdown of the carcass. And so, um, you know, the best way of really finessing that is saying, okay, I'll raise two or three, two or three pigs. And then one of those extra pigs is going to pay for, for the processing feeds for the pig that I'm going to be eating, my family's going to be eating. And then, and then you're still going to have money left over from that. Uh, and then also that other pig, if you get three pigs, it's going to, going to be straight profit for you. You know, and so you only need one or two or like one to four other families to participate in that. You know, uh, some people might want uh, half a pig. So, you know, you might need to figure out, okay, I need two families for this one pig. One family might have so many people that, you know, you just need to sell one of them to. But you see, it's not this, oh, well, let me sell a farmer's market and get this and get that. No, just find literally one to four families who are committed to your mission, are committed to your vision, and are committed to a healthier quality uh, pork or any other livestock you might be raising. And let them just invest in that. You know that makes it easier for you because you're you're having a guarantee on your uh, on your uh, meat. You know that the money is going to be coming in rather than waiting in the hot sun at a farmer's market where you don't know if you're even going to make a profit that day. Right. You know. So I think that's really important. And then segueing into that, uh, I do believe in paying yourself. However, the caveat to that is understanding that a lot of times you might not be technically quote unquote able to pay yourself. That's fine, but I still recommend putting yourself on as a, as a expense for your business because you should pay yourself. I think there's nothing evil about that, you know, but it's just a matter of if you really want to take your business to the next level, 
uh, and see, you know, okay, by paying myself, I realize how much time I'm putting into this business or into this enterprise. Some of you guys might be putting way too much time in an enterprise that's not making a profit back for you, you know, and especially if you're looking at this from a profit mentality, not just a I'm doing this as a hobby. You really do want to keep track of your labor by keeping track of uh, how much you personally are spending time on that enterprise. And then from there, you can see, okay, well, I'm spending 10 hours and man, I've paid myself $25 an hour. I'm expensive. Well, you can do a couple of different things. You can either reduce your, your cost by saying, you know, I want to I'm going to uh, settle for $15 an hour, or you could say, no, I deserve $25 an hour. So then you start finding efficiencies, ways of efficiencies to reduce your time from maybe in the beginning, 10 hours, to eight hours, and then maybe moving forward, eight hours to five hours, you know? And so you're still technically making money for your time, but that extra time that you now have, you can do towards something else, like going out with your family, taking your spouse out on a date, you know, or uh, uh, being able to, you know, spend time with the kids, you know, go to this, go to the pool, you know, yeah. whatever it might be right. that you want to do, you have that option now because you're aware of how much time you're spending and you're aware of how much you cost. But in the end of that, you also remind yourself that you are valuable. And again, this goes back to mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. You know, oftentimes we just work, 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 work. And we don't really value our, ourselves in that process. We end up burning out. We end up uh, finding our self-worth in the work rather than in just the tasks that we're doing and in our identity outside of work. And so I do think it's important to have people understand that you are not the farm. The farm is a part of your life, but you're not the farm. Uh, there are a lot of families that have been broken because uh, spouses have found so much of their identity and being a homesteader or being a farmer, that they neglected their family, they neglected their community, they neglected their obligations. And they might say, oh, well, I'm doing this for the family, I'm doing this for the farm, I'm doing this for my community. Yeah, at the end of it, they're not around anymore because those people were neglected. And so that's a, just a warning to those who are workaholics. Don't neglect your family to pursue this dream. Don't neglect your community to pursue this dream. Don't isolate yourself to pursue something that is going to take away from what truly is important, uh, which is family, community, and in my opinion, God. So those are my thoughts. I'll leave it at that. And uh, I'll let you ask the next question if you got time. Yeah, no. So I like that. So we call that kind of the holistic context. And it's funny because after we kind of started ironing out the holistic context, and since I've kind of got more into holistic management, a lot of times, you know, part of our holistic context is having family time, is allowing for wildlife to be wild for our livestock to be more on the wild side let less manage clo more closer to nature you know and it's funny because sometimes prior to that i felt like i was just constantly working the sheep constantly you know trying to have to move the sheep or all this and now that we've gotten more into the holistic approach a lot of times i'm like i'll head out the door like i gotta go do something you know, like just feeling like I need to be <laughs> doing something. I'm like, wait, no, you know, actually all my farm chores are done for the day. I don't, you know, like I could mm -hmm. like just go mess around somewhere, but there's nothing I have to do today. And it's, it's a really weird mm -hmm. kind of, kind of a weird feeling, but 
once you kind of lay out that context and like you were saying, I highly encourage people to do it with their family so that everybody's on board. It's an interesting kind of change in farming because I think the reality of it too is like, you know, we look at farmers and we think farmers are busy. You know, like farmers work from sun up to sundown mm-hmm. every day of the week. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing something right, you know, but that's not how mm-hmm. it has to be. Like we can change that narrative for sure. Yeah. And just really quickly, just with you saying that again, I, I suffer from this and I'm still working on it is finding my identity in busyness. Right. You know, making busyness a god or an idol in my life. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people who make busyness an idol in their life. And, you know, it robbed me of a lot of joy. It robbed me of a lot of grace towards myself. And I had to realize that, you know, if I really want to be free and live free and feel free and have joy in my life, I need to reevaluate my identity and really need to reevaluate what am I spending time on? Is it really that important? Or, you know, am I just making work to do just so that way I can feel accomplished yet not fully satisfied in my soul? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I was out working with uh, Daniel uh, moving cows and he's very (laughs) holistic approach, you know, very like almost way more back to wild than I have gotten to yet. But we're moving his cows (laughs) and these uh, butterflies start landing on the milkweed and he's just like, let's watch this. So we stood there for 15 minutes and like, you know, chest high grass and just watch butterflies land on milkweed. And, you know, that was like, that, that's all like, that's what I want farming to be. You know, like there, mm. there's this idea of like, that can't be it. But when you're managing holistically, there you go. Like watch the geese fly over, you know, lay down in the grass. You have time for that. Like, especially if that's what you've planned or you know it doesn't have to be just, just like, watch out for ticks right watch out for ticks or enjoy the ticks <laughs> and sugars <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well i appreciate this man i appreciate your time so there's one question we ask everybody and i feel like this segues into it perfectly and that's when you sit, when you sit back and relax what do you do you personally mm. When I sit back and relax. So yeah, uh, I try to relax before I begin work, which sounds asinine. It sounds crazy. Who does that? And I also try to relax before I go to bed. And my routine for that is I read the Bible and I at least spend 30 minutes in that. And then I just journal and reflect on my life and just things that I'm really grateful for. Uh, oftentimes, and I'll just speak to me personally, I didn't have a lot of joy in my life because I didn't see and wasn't acknowledging the areas of my life where I could be thankful. And I think what's helped me grow in maturity, spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, mental maturity is being able to take the time to be grateful, not just in the words, but literally take the time to just sit in gratitude, write down what I'm grateful for, write down what I'm not grateful for, but what I'd like to be grateful for, and just go through that process. So that's been the most helpful and healing thing for me outside of engaging in community and you know being on the phone with people like you. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. I appreciate it, man. I like that. That's, that's uh, powerful. That's, gratitude is like one of the best ways, I think, to relax. So, 100% on board with that. 
appreciate you sharing that. And just one more time, a refresher, the way people can connect with you is pork rind on Instagram. And uh, yep, it's pork dot rind on Instagram. Pork dot rind. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then your email. Yeah, my email is rind, R-H-Y-N as a knight, E as an eagle, at porkrine.com and yeah i'll be going to the home Service of america conference as a speaker so you can find me there i'll also be in asheville um, for the chow chow event i think it's on july 17th don't quote me on that they'll be in asheville yeah yeah it'll be really great uh, i think they still have uh, tickets for that event it'll be like cachuterie and it'll be me as a panelist with a couple of other chefs and farmers so if you have time to go to that or if you're in the area and you have the money for it definitely uh do that or if you don't have the money for it, uh, let's hang out before the meeting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for talking with us. And we'll make sure all of that's in the show notes. And have a great day, man. Thank you. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Drew. Love you, dude. And just want to really quickly say I appreciate everything that you and Lacey are doing. Thank you for continuing to make community real. And I think a lot of people are really benefiting from that, me included. Awesome. Thank you so much, man.